Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the 2010 Alleluia Conference. In this session entitled The Church Year, Emily Snyder introduces you to the church's rich history and the year-round opportunities to emphasize almost every aspect of the Christian faith. Get practical steps and suggestions for introducing new facets of the church calendar into your worship service. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia. So, um, and I think 
Republican church provides a way to recapitalize our time. And um, in a day when it's, you know, week to week, we're guided by the work week. You know, Monday seems to be, you know, the start of our week. And usually Sunday is, you know, it's hard to think of Sunday as the Lord's Day because it's really like we're preparing for another Monday is what the day usually seems like. Um, and so it, it provides a way actually year-round to think about um, to bring some sacredness to holidays and just the way that we guide our, um, organize our time in general. And also I just started thinking about no one denies the fact that the, you know, the gospel has called us to live counterculturally. I mean, that's definitely in present in scripture. And, and the church here in a way allow, you know, gives us the opportunity to live counterculturally um, each day in the way that we organize our time. You know, in, in seasons of the church here that are not at all part of everyday culture. And that allows us to, to really kind of bring some sacredness to our everyday lives. Um, and the last um, why, I guess, is provides a unifying tool for the Christian church. And, um, you know, while the Christian year is not, you know, necessary for worship, it's really an awesome idea that churches worldwide could be focusing on, um, you know, God in the same aspect or from the same perspective and focusing on the same themes um, on any given Sunday. That's, that's a really, um, it's an encouraging idea that, that we could all come together um, and, and worship, you know, in the, with the same theme in mind. And I think um, right now, you know, in this day more than ever probably, the, the idea of, of something that Christians worldwide can rally around, I think that's definitely needed more so than, than anything that might um, seem divisive. So I think that this is definitely a unifying tool that the Christian church could use. Um, so that's kind of our whys. I did, like I said, I didn't want to spend too much time on the specific seasons themselves. If you have any questions, I will try to answer them. Um, Dr. Lingenson here, he could probably answer just about anything that you that you need to know about the Christian year, but um, do if you have any specific questions about the seasons, do ask. But I wanted to um, talk a little bit mostly about just ways to introduce them into your congregation. Um, we'll start it in general with the seasons. Um, there's a few, and I don't want to call them rules because that makes them sound kind of too um, mysterious, but just a couple of concepts that I was thinking about is um, Especially if you if you are in a church like mine, and if, and, and you may not be, but um, especially in my church, it is a Baptist church, and a lot of times, even to use the term Christian year, um, is kind of seen as um, just you know, oh, we're Baptist, and you know, we don't need that, and um, they, and so you know, it's hard. It's it's it takes a lot of teaching and a lot of, of gracious teaching to to show that this could be a very meaningful part of our worship experience. I think no matter what congregation you're in, if it's if it is something you're introduced in new, don't do too much too soon. Um, a little bit of the Christian year can actually go a long way to alert members in your congregation to to what the season is or what's going on. So you don't have to go all out um, in order to, to make them aware. The second thing is, um, if you are starting something new, consider beginning with children and youth. And perhaps even outside of the normal worship space, worship time. You may want to get them involved in a special way in the worship service, 
but a lot could happen outside of the service in the Sunday school or small group time. And once children and youth are um, getting on board, I mean, everybody likes to see children and youth in special activities and events normally. That's just, um, people are probably usually all for that. But once more children are getting involved and adults are seeing the benefits of what they're learning, more adults are likely to get involved as well and kind of buy into the idea. Um, the other thing is consider extra services. Um, when we're talking about adding new things into our, our kind of worship mindset, sometimes you can do a lot more, um, a lot more outside of the Sunday service if you can consider having an extra service. And I know I serve in a church, and when I hear about extra services, sometimes I kind of cringe because I know that that means more work on your plate. But um, like I said, if you if you think about having an extra service, you can sometimes be a lot more creative than you ever could on a Sunday morning where people are kind of expecting the norm. But your congregation will be more willing to go with you to that creative point in worship if they know, oh, but on Sunday mornings, it's, we're going to go back to the norm. And so special services can be a lot to, to add to the seasons in the church. Um, also, do not underestimate the power of a church newsletter article. And even if your church doesn't currently have a regular newsletter, you might consider making your own letter, just maybe just every semester, every quarter. Um, a lot can be said in a church newsletter that could ne you could never have time to explain to people on a Sunday morning. You may never have that venue to talk to them. And so, and, and also in thinking about making a church newsletter article, I like to think of it as combining the right, um, I guess, combination of head and heart. And what I mean by that, you don't want it to be all informative, because then it will be boring. Although you do want to give information to them. So talk, try to, you know, give explanations of what the season is, but also remember to talk about how it's either been meaningful to you or meaningful to someone that you know, um, so that they can, you know, understand that it's not just something we're learning about. It can actually be a life-changing experience for them. And lastly, think about trying to get either your small group leaders or your Sunday school leaders on board. Because um, in a small group setting, you can, first, if, you're, if you have the opportunity to meet, to meet with those people, you can explain to them, you know, this is what I've been thinking about. I mean, this is what I think would really add to my worship. If you can elicit their feedback so that you can know kind of what they're thinking. But also, if they can buy into what you're doing and understand what you're doing, they can then go to their small group. And, you know, maybe they'll even go as far as to, you know, get a Sunday school curriculum together that focuses on the seasons. And then that's highlighted in worship. I mean, once everything's kind of more integrated together and people are hearing it, not just from you, you know, this is what they're picking up, but hearing it from others in their congregation, they're more likely to be, you know, be willing to be receptive in some of the ideas that you have for worship. So, um, are there any questions or anything? I know I'm talking a lot. Please just speak up. If you have I know one time uh, you were talking about activities. I want to take a kitchen party. Okay, yeah. That was, that was fun. And one thing in your typical church that people would expect a kitchen party. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes frustrating we can know Christmas carols on Christmas Day. Yeah. And then during that season of 12 days, You know, yeah. there's furniture shopping and all that, but I want you in a cooking party, which of course in the, the wise man, yeah, in January. And that was fun because we were all through with being busy with Christmas. You know, 
but there could be separation of operations as well. Um, and I, that would be a way to, I would say, to use small groups to increase the separation. Yeah. Uh, because I remember I was in a Baptist church at the time, and we had a lot of Baptists in the congregation. Um, and so it, it was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I don't know. about, um, again, some of these ideas may probably be non-traditional ideas just because I wanted to focus on some of the non-traditional ideas because those are probably all, I mean, first of all, you can Google those in a second and find them out and you might have already experienced them before. But I've organized them around um, five kind of areas, visuals, drama and dance, music. We actually don't talk about a lot today because I know that y'all are talking about your other sessions and um, things of that sort. Integrated learning experiences and so by visuals, it could be um, bulletin inserts, and that's the one we bring this in um, as some kind of resource. They're on their bibliography, but um, this has just tons of visuals that you can put right into your worship guide for your service. And they're, they all have um, scripture references that, you can, that go, would go along appropriate for that picture. They also have occasions for youth, and it gives you like every holy day or season that it might be appropriate for. And it also gives descriptions of the picture that you could choose to, to put along with your picture as a description. And the good thing about it is it comes on a CD that has both black and white and color print. So um, if, if a visual in your worship guide is something that would be appropriate, then um, this is just one of actually many resources, but this is one um, concise one that has so many different pictures for different occasions. And that, that's on your bibliography as well. Um, visuals for worship. Um, it's, it's not expensive either. And your worship guide, your, your CD actually can do that. And there's other ways to connect with other worship Video projections, if you have video capabilities, um, that it, it's actually a really neat tool. And again, this is, I'm going to show you a few online resources eventually, but the video projections. There are so many, even if you're not, like, if you're, if you're like me, I'm not good at putting that stuff together, actually, on PowerPoint or whatever the tool that is necessary. But there are so many online resources. I mean, there are even PowerPoint um, publications already put together for you, like, for a luncheon season. And if you have the video capabilities, you can download those, um, those publications online and, and use them in your congregation. Um, 
also special banners, which we're going to look at a couple of them. Um, special banners can really decorate the, the worship space. Recently, the congregation in the pastor, we had some um, custom made, but they were inexpensive. I know custom made sounds real expensive, but it was just a, a few ladies in our congregation that were putting, um, you know, some banners together. And we actually, you know, we're not, we are a Baptist church, and we're not real, you know, about decorating the worship space and everything. But everybody loves those because they kind of, they're homemade, they kind of, they come from our congregation, and, and we hang them up during church seasons. And that's a really, it's a good idea for, to add visuals. And um, the other visual thing, which is also, doesn't have to just be visuals, but there is a picture in here that I'll show you, is um, consider using some special communion vessels during certain seasons. Maybe um, you, you can change the colors of the vessels if you're, if you're always used to having a, a stainless steel or whatever you use. Um, consider changing the communion vessels somehow to make them more special to go along with a particular season. Um, for intimate learning experiences, always consider having a children's message um, that get, will go along with the season. A special, a good um, children's message will not only teach the children that come up during the services, but also will hopefully help teach the congregation in a way that it'll, it'll get information to them and, and it, they won't even really know that it's coming to them as well as the children because it's directed to the children. But a good children's message can also go a long way to actually point, point to something that's going on in worship that might otherwise be missed. And I've already mentioned this, but the small group curriculum, if there is a six-week study that you can do on, um, you know, assisting your youth in worship so that they can, you know, better understand that. And that's, and that's another reason, a really good way to get your, your small group leaders on board so that they can help you by doing some teaching in a way that you might not have the opportunity to, to help your child. I'd like to start with Advent, um, special ways to introduce Advent. And Advent, if you don't already observe Advent, I think it's, probably one of the easiest seasons besides Christmas and Easter to start introducing because already right after Thanksgiving Day, everyone's mind is already on um, Christmas because <laughs> we're just bombarded with it, the shopping mall. So why not highlight this one of the Sundays leading up to Christmas, um, just like we're preparing for Christmas by buying gifts, um, you know, prepare for, for Christ's birth and the Sundays leading up to Christmas. So visually, you can begin draping your, your space in purple, um, and then you can change to white on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, whichever service you choose to celebrate. And, and so visually, that will alert congregations to know something's going on and something's different. Um, also, candles and banners. I did want to point to this congregation. Um, Um, this congregation had some banners made um, for their Christmas season. We can look, hopefully, I'm sorry, I would have had this on PowerPoint, but it didn't work. So, um, but the, you look how exciting they look in the space. Um, and so the banners really, I think, add a lot to that worship space. And also talking about getting your own congregations involved, this, the lower picture in the same church is a, is a child who, um, and, they, and they put the children's work artwork of the, of the angels up in the worship space. And, um, you know, sometimes you, you kind of wonder, do we want something professionally done or, or is it children's work done? But like I said, at least in my congregation, they're always willing to, you know, it's, it's from us, and, it, and that makes it special, even if it's not 
by a professional artist or anything like that. So um, those are activities that you can explore doing in your own worship space. Um, also, drama. I wanted to, um, oh, well, I'm not going to show it right now, but this website, which is also on the Bibliography as a website, the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship, is just such a good website for worship if you haven't already visited it. And it doesn't matter if you're, don't, don't let the word Calvin scare you off if that's not your um, theological convention or anything. It, it's totally, it has so many resources that can be used by absolutely any congregation. But one thing about drama is um, you can, Calvin, on the Calvin website, they have a, their own search engine, and you can just say drama for Advent, and you'll get different dramas that come in. And actually, we did this this past Advent season. We did, um, each Sunday leading up, we, they, they had this drama that was already written out on the website, and the children got involved. And it was just, it wasn't necessarily drama, because they weren't really acting. It was kind of short leaders theater kind of thing. And it built upon itself each Sunday in Advent. Not only did that get the children involved in the service, um, but it was actually also really easy for me. So be sure to check out that website. It, it wasn't something I had to write. It, it was all laid out um, as a script and told me exactly some ideas that I could do for plots as far as that is concerned. And so it was a great resource. And that actually, they have tons of dramas for different seasons. But um, that really did over well last season. Advent wreaths are something that's kind of more general. You probably are likely to use Advent wreaths. I will say that if you haven't used an Advent wreath before, one, because um, at, at my congregation, we they you know had a time when they definitely didn't use Advent wreaths, but we started getting different people involved in the leadership. And I would encourage you, if you don't already, you know, consider every Sunday maybe having a different family be responsible for the Advent lighting or a different small group. One Sunday, one year we did it where a different small group was responsible for lighting the Advent wreath and, and um, doing the liturgy readings that went, went along with that. And so we actually incorporate music into that. Yeah. Uh, you have a song that, that tells you about the different candles. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we get the congregation involved in that and then we have a family of
people were encouraged to, you know, to celebrate that season at home just as they would on Sunday morning because they weren't surprised what was going on. Um, during Advent, consider having a theme song for the season. This is an idea that we've done for the past couple years that I really like. Um, and so every Sunday of Advent, which is usually, usually we keep it short, and, but sometimes it'll be an entirely new song, but it's short and, we, and it's repetitive. So the congregation kind of, they really learn it and they, they tend to, you know, kind of take it as their own and embrace the song. But each Sunday in Advent, we'll start with the same song. Usually, like one Sunday, one year we actually did, if you know the musical Godspell, we um, prepare the little, prepare ye the way. And so we started each service with that. But either, like last year, we started each service with a Tizay chant, prepare the way of the Lord. And we did some different things musically with it, with like tambourines and guitars and stuff like that. And tried to, so musically, we tried to add creativity to it. But having, you know, it got, everyone was expecting that, that kind of Advent theme song each Sunday when we were walking into worship. And so that's another way to highlight the season, kind of like our Advent theme song for the year. Um, and it, it just alerts people, you know, their mind to what, what the season was about. There's a couple of special services, and we won't talk about these long. You probably participated in these. Painting of the Green, um, that's a great way. That, and again, there's, um, if you don't, you know, especially if you're bivocational and it's not, you're not at church all the time, there's so many resources for helping plan that type of service online. Um, on the websites I gave you, there's several orders of service to help you plan your Hands of the Green service. And also the service of lessons and carols. And this past Christmas, we did one of these services at my church, and I actually really liked it because it had tons of carols, which my church loves to sing Christmas carols, but then it also had you know lots of scripture, and they also like to have a lot of scripture in the, in the church. So, um, you know, consider, and again, this is one of those where you can find orders of worship online to help you in the planning process. We actually kind of, we, we alternated the typical service a little bit to fit our congregation and the, and the carols that we like to sing. So, um, but that's a, that's a special service that allows them to sing all the carols that, that they want to sing and um, also highlights the, the time of the year. Um, I'd like to move on to cooking and um, talk about a couple of ideas for cooking. Remember that um, besides that it is the day when we celebrate um, the manifestation of Christ to the, the wise men are coming and recognizing Christ as Lord, and then also some, some churches will choose to emphasize that um, or celebrate Jesus' baptism on this day, saying that this is the day that God recognized, or God recognized Christ as his son in front of others. And also the idea of light and epiphany, that Jesus, Christ has come you know, as the baby in the manger. We are recognizing him as the Christ is the light of the world. He has come. Um, so light it, visually is one way. If there's any way to change the light in your spacing, on, on, the, on the Sundays that you celebrate Epiphany, that's a really a, a good way to have extra light. I did want to sh show you a few other things. This church, this is one of the, they had, um, and again, this is something that they, from the people in their church, made a quilt and of these banners, and they used them in their worship space, which I hope you can see, but um, in 
in their worship space, and they're in their fancy banners, and they really look lovely. This is one of the ideas of the communion vessels I was talking about. They used, um, you know, they got special communion vessels to use, and they look really creative, and they're different colors to go along with the season. Um, and again, this is what they did during Epiphany. The other thing I wanted to point your attention to, and this is an Epiphany drama, this is what the dramas on the Calvin website look like, and, and they're just so easy, I just want to point out to you. This one is called The Light of Life, a dramatic reading for Epiphany, and it gives you all of the, how many readers you're going to need, gives you ideas about how to, to shape the, the reading, and then it just, like a script, it gives you everything that you need to know. So, and these are really good resources, because I know sometimes... Like, if there's, you know, if you, you can think of all these ideas in worship, then it's like, how do I get these materials, especially in limited time, you know? And, and, and so, but this, this is just one of those ways that you could go straight to the drama, and it's right there for you to use in your church. The other thing is, and you might be able to see it, I said burning Christmas trees. So it sounds really violent, but this is one, um, I actually did not participate in this, but this is in looking at some things that other churches have done. On the evening of January 6th, they had everyone that had had a real live Christmas tree in their congregation came, and they kind of had a, a bonfire moment. And and it was the, everything I read, they really enjoyed doing it. They had all their Christmas trees. They came and they created a bonfire. They had s'mores and hot dog or whatever you want to put in the fire to eat. And all the families came out, and they burned their Christmas tree, and then you know they sang a few hymns. And the, the preacher gave a short um, homily or devotion on, you know, how we're recognizing that Christ is the light of the world. And we're saying this in a visible way, that Christ is the light of the world. So um, I thought that would be really fun. And I could actually see my congregation doing that and having a lot of fun with it. So, you know, it might depend on the congregation that you serve. Um, but that would be a neat way to, to kind of celebrate Epiphany outside of the normal worship service. <laughs> But I know burning Christmas tree, it sounds very violent. At least when I, when I saw that, I was like, what? But um, actually, it could be really fun to kind of get everybody well, together. In, in the mystical church, it's a big deal that, that they have three Christmas, and you say it's burning the Christmas tree. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. And some people were raised that way. They don't even put up their Christmas tree until Christmas Eve. Yeah. Until 12 days later. And they've got to take it down. Tree's done. It's <laughs> on Christmas. Next, I wanted to go on to Lent, and um, Lent is one of those, it, and you know, maybe in the Episcopal Church it might be a little bit different, but um, it's been one from, in my congregation, it's been the hardest season to introduce and to have people buy into it, because I think traditionally it has such a, a penitent emphasis, um, kind of confessional emphasis, and um, sometimes that's just hard to, in today's mindset to, to get people to buy into. Um, one thing that, and again, if you, if your congregation, if, if Lent is meaningful and the, the season of penitence, if that is meaningful, then by all means, go with that. And, and there's a lot of things. But one thing I was um, kind of introduced to this past season, and it's probably, maybe you've thought about it before, but just in the way that um, today's, and it's not that it's today is so different from in the past, but People are already becoming so burdened, it seems like. Every Sunday when I go to church, it seems like someone's telling me another bad story, another bad week that they had. 
like there's a, a lot of hardship behind it. Because again, that's not new, but um, that's just the way that a lot of people come to church these days, already burdened. They won't worship um, to be different from their everyday life. So consider um, kind of altering, I guess, the theme of Lent so that it's not just uh, a penitential season, but maybe also a season of gratitude for God's forgiveness. Um, you know, we, we have prayed, we have confessed, but we are celebrating that God is merciful. Um, maybe celebrating might be too strong a word for the Lent, but we, we, are, we are thanking God that he has given us mercy. And um, I've just found, and, and especially in the couple of con- conversations I've had this past year, that people, in, if, if Lent is too strong a season, if, if it is for your congregation, um, and if, if they're saying, you know, we need, we need something to lift us up on, at, in worship and just in church in general, because, you know, we need some hope and not so much, um, not so much, I guess, confession and everything. Um, just consider altering the theme, because you can still be within the Lenten theme, I think, and, and have it not be quite so penitential, if that makes sense. Again, some congregations are so accustomed to Lent that it's, it's that's okay, but um, I guess some Baptists, and sometimes Methodists as well, sometimes the Lenten season is not always totally bought into. Um, but as far as visually um, goes, simplify your space. If there's any way that you can do do without some sort of decoration that you normally do, that people would you know notice, oh, that's not here today. Like this past year, um, we we tried to use less color. We did not we didn't necessarily drape black or and, and stuff like that around because that just didn't work at my congregation. But um, we just tried to make everything simple. We us, we usually have these columns up in our in our on the platform in our worship space, and we took those down. And we took the green the greenery that's on the platform down because they're just telling us like that this is this is a more simplified season. Um, another thing is. Consider um, adding, this is a non-musical element, but consider this is a really good time, I think, for adding testimonies to your service if you're in worship somewhere. Um, and what I mean by that is, and again, this kind of goes along with the idea of um, we, are, we are showing gratitude to God for his mercy and his forgiveness. But um, if you see right here, it's I called and God heard. And that was a theme that we used um, one time in, in worship planning with um, can you know each Sunday of Lent? Let's have someone give a testimony. How I called to God, I I prayed to God, and God heard. And this is how God God's presence was reaffirmed in my life. And so, and again, that's another way to get people people involved in kind of the the Lenten season of worship. And it it, it actually I had so many people come up to me and say how meaningful it was to hear other people's stories about how you know they had called to God, and he had heard. And so that was a theme that we did during the whole season of Lent, and people found it very meaningful, hearing, you know, sharing and hearing other people's stories. The other thing is, because prayer is often so emphasized in Lent, oh, and again, I just want to emphasize, sorry, point out that these these pictures that are on some of this, these PowerPoints, they're all from this book, so I try to use some of those. But the um, this congregation... Every, um, they did it on an evening, in the evening service, but every Sunday, I'm sorry, every evening service during Lent, they would go on a prayer walk around their community because the, the pastor wanted to emphasize that prayer is, a, is, is important in the season of Lent. But they went and prayed 
around their community, and it was like praying confessionally for their community and then praying hope for their community. Like they started out, and again, this is all you could see. They made it really nice. They took the hangouts together, and it had readings. Um, this is on the website. But, for instance, the first week they went to the police station, and they confessed to God, you know, God, we lament that our, our community has not been as blessed as you have called us to be. And they, and they you know, had a, a time of confession, but then they would also pray hope for that community. And we would pray that, you know, the leaders in our community would have the opportunity to, um, you know, be just and, and serve others the way that you want us to. And so, and, and that's kind of in a nutshell, but they, it's all written out, um, ideas like this. And I thought that was actually a really neat idea to to ha- have the pastor and le- minister leadership emphasize that you know there's there is this personal element of of lament that's definitely there it's been there but there's also this can we can we pray for our community can we confess that you know we haven't lived up to everything that God has called us to be but can we pray hope for our community as well and so the prayer walks um, I thought that was a really neat idea to to get others involved in the. Um, also, let's see, visually, I just want to show you a couple of other things that some congregations have done. Um, I, I really like this one in the middle because it's simple and it's just black print on a white canvas. And it wouldn't even have to be something that's like professionally done. If someone has really neat handwriting, they put these different Bible verses. This one says, I'm crucified with Christ. And, you know, calligraphy-like handwriting, and they just put black their lenten season the other thing this is one of the things i was talking about down here you can open up a powerpoint sequence um, that could be used during the lenten season that has different images for that are appropriate for that season um, and all you would have to do is is contact this person's email and they should be able to email you back for permission but that's another thing that's online um, so and which hopefully hopefully will mean a little bit less work for you, especially as time is of the of the essence as it often is these days. Um, Ash Wednesday service. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. If you you may you may do you all do you all observe Ash Wednesday? Okay. Um, just a couple of other things, and this is this is mainly for those congregations like mine who sometimes don't buy into the whole ash on the forehead idea. Um, and if that's if your congregation's fine with that, again. This is just another idea. But one time, I was in a, a different church back at home, and we all we were giving pretty, not pretty, but this paper. And what I meant, it wasn't just white paper. They they had taken time to kind of singe it on the edge edges and make it look different to the normal paper. And during eventually throughout the service, the pastor had asked us to have a time of confession, actually to write out our confessions to God. And the, the idea was that, that they're that they're out. They're not, you know, with us burdening burdening us anymore. That they're out. So we wrote them down. And then when we would have gone forward to um, to receive the ashes in our head, we went forward individually and there was a bowl present at the front of the worship space and we we one by one took them out and lit our lit our um, prayers that we had written down and burned them in the bowl. So the ash element was there. We just didn't take it on our forehead, and the idea—the idea was that not only confessing it was, you know, writing it down, but the idea of burning it and letting it go was also symbolizing, you know, that God had forgiven us. 
Bible says. And so, and all of that was tied in with, you know, the, what the teacher said and everything. But that, I, that was a way they, they tended to, um, you know, buy into that if, since it was not done quite so traditional a way, I guess. And that was a very meaningful service. I wanted to move on to Holy Week as well, um, Palm Sunday. And it, you all, do you all observe Palm Sunday as well? Okay. Do you all, um, well, I guess my first thing was just order palms. If you don't, if you don't normally use real palms in your service, definitely order palms. And um, this is just an idea that um, I've, we have observed before. But do you had when when on Palm Sunday everyone was given a palm when they walked into the worship space, and then um, it's kind of like the idea of Advent. We usually teach in a short chorus, um, and we use untraditional instrumentation. Think of like tambourines and a clarinet and a guitar and, and then we so we got the chorus going and then we all exited the sanctuary and marched around our church building and then re-entered so that's probably something you might have even done that before but they actually it was really fun and and everybody you know the, again this is a Baptist church they're not always you know into but what you left them actually in yeah we left the sanctuary and we went around we marched around all the while singing our chant that we had sung at the beginning of the service, and the walking instrumentation, clarinets, and well, we had one clarinet, and a hand drum, and a tambourine, all that kind of instrumentation stuff, and then we marched back in and put our palms at, at a clock that we had in the sanctuary, so, and everybody just, you know, was like, that's so fun, and that was so neat, and everything. Cause, yeah, because it's always awkward for us, everybody starts inside, and then the pastor, now this is Palm Sunday, so we're all going to go out. So of course you always have the one or two people that are like, I'm not going to Yeah. And, and stuff like that. So yeah. And then confusion about the crowds. Yeah. We always fun. try to, because there is some, always some confusion. We we try to make sure there's certain people, like, well, I, we always make it a point, you're going to follow these people out the doors. And then we have people that know exactly what's going on, you know, kind of throughout. You know, the, you stay in the middle and we stay at the end. So, and so making sure everybody, there's right. more, yeah. so it's not just you that knows what's going on or whatever. Our congregation is noisy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, marching may be too much. And it, it might be something, I mean, you can still sing a song that's for, you know, a Palm Sunday song. We actually had the children do that in the sanctuary. Right. I think that I think I actually wrote that down. If you, if that's, because another thing that a bigger congregation obviously can't do this. If you have 3,000 people, you can't right. have them all. And so, you, but yeah, you, you know, give the palms to the children and have them just march in the worship space, yeah, march around, and then, yeah, and then it's still, it's still the marching element, the waving element is still there, and the chant still get across. But, but yeah, some sometimes you know, the whole church might come. But it was really fun because it was just one of those things where, um, you know, I'm sure people on the outside of the church also, you know, it was kind of a witness to. say a whole lot about Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday services, although you, you probably have participated in those before. That's the most, to me, in our church, going from a typical church, that is the most single, you know, meaningful worship service that I mean, I have not a specific moment like that. I mean, it is really just no time. What they do in the typical church is you do communion, you know, the Eucharist and all that stuff. And then 
everyone sits down. And I've had several years of kind of being there. But it went really well, and, and it got them involved. 
I did want to show you one thing about some visuals um, about what this church did. Just the idea of flowers. Um, this is one where they, this is kind of during Holy Week. They made this cross out of burlap and then hung the cross and then they put flowers on it another time. So, um, we have a whole section on Easter morning of uh -huh. called the flowering of the cross. Yeah. And when people come in, you know, when they arrive, they're mm -hmm. given a flower. Yeah. And then during the service, there's a, a time when everybody gets up and goes and picks a flower. It's got chicken wire. wire. On it. Yeah. And yeah. then they can stick the flowers in there. And then after the service, that cross is taken out and put in front of the house. Gorgeous. Yeah. I had never seen anything like that. I mean, I've only been in Texas for four years. And mm -hmm. I had never seen anything like that before, and that's a tradition in this church. I mean, yeah. We do that, too, actually, and, and we we just have, we invite everyone to bring just tons of flowers, and we and we do that. And it is so pretty, the way that we just put the, we have, it's about a six-foot cross, actually, that we yeah. use. Um, big wooden cross, and it's wrapped in chicken wire, and it's just when you see the cross, you don't see once all the flowers on it, you don't see any wood anymore. You just see the flower. It's it's really pretty. We usually have a couple of people up there to help right, people put to, them in, to you know. And the stems are only like this, but yeah, uh, it really works well. Yeah, yeah. I um, but they they really it's beautiful. We use them a lot. Um, I did want to move on because we're running, running a little bit time a little bit to Pentecost. Um, Pentecost actually um has become one of my favorite days to plan. Um, it's it's just so fun. <laughs> it's so celebratory, and so we um, we've used so much red in our worship space this past season of Pentecost. And um, one thing I was just gonna say is let Hobby Lobby be your friend, because I know a couple weeks before Pentecost, um, and they had everything fifty percent off, which was so great. But we just had so much red stuff. We had red candles, red fabric, red like red everything. Um, so just think about ways that you can add know the colors into the space another thing is um, and this was in another congregation that I saw that was really cool the worship space they hang, they hung red streamers up all over the sanctuary and in the back they had a big huge fan blowing so that as people are walking into the space they look up and there's these red strings representing you know, the tongues of fire and, and the wind represents the spirit coming and it was really neat it was a really neat space because just the movement was involved and was in the space. It was very neat. Um, also, I actually think of the visuals on this one. Um, this is what some congregations, and I hope you can see these. This is one where they took a lot of time in this, but they hung down strings to represent the tongues of fire and then the doves representing the spirit as well. And that was a really neat space um, that they created. And then also, um, this one I thought looked really cool. They just banners up like everywhere and made the space really colorful um, so so many cool things that churches are doing to decorate their spaces on Pentecost um, one thing I also I wanted to say is um, think about this is just one element that you might have actually done before but on Pentecost we always have the Acts 2 passage is always read and we start in English and then we have people lined up around in random places and around the worship space. And so after it's read in English, people will just, the people that are designated will gradually enter in different languages. 
And that's also, we love always telling how powerful that is because, you know, we're so used to hearing it in English and kind of more normal. And then just around the space, they start hearing different voices and different languages. And it's kind of real, you know, just symbolic of the season of Pentecost and what, it, what has happened. And um, that's always been, I've always gotten comments on how powerful that is. And again, it's really neat. I like the sound effects because we have people put up all around the space and, and voices coming in. And usually we try to make it gradual, like one, it's not just like, boom, it's kind of like everybody just starts coming in. It's, it's really powerful. Um, also, if you've never considered using dance, I think Pentecost is definitely the day that you might consider dance. And it might be something, you know, first by the children and youth. This is actually our children dancing on Pentecost Sunday. And, you know, again, this is a Baptist church. It's, it's um, you know, it's... It is what it is, but um, they actually, everyone loves it. I think, again, it's, it's because it's our children. Um, it's, we get a lot of people involved. It's not just one person that's kind of doing it all. And different parents have gotten together to work on the, the children's costumes. Um, and you can see they use the ribbons and everything. Um, so if any day might be appropriate for dance, it would be this day. And actually, um, I was going to show you a video of, of another church dancing, but... I think we'll pass on that. I guess we'll end just with your bibliography. I wanted to point out a few things. Um, I've already pointed out the Calvin Institute Christian Worship website. Um, they have a very good, they do so many worship resources, and their website is actually a little bit overwhelming sometimes because it's just so massive. Um, the United Methodist Church has a very good website for worship resources. I put some stars on it, I want to say, but um, and then. I actually was recently introduced with lectionary resources at Barrett Tech Street, and they just, if you follow the lectionary in your congregation, it's just a really good, it has, with any text in the lectionary, it has like, boom, all your resources that go along with that day and that text. So it's it's a very neat website, but all of those websites I found useful at some point, and that's why I put them, um, put them. Also, just if you look at the books, we've already talked about the visuals for worship, the other, um, well, and we talked about the Advent Christmas and Epiphany. This is a very neat resource. Um, if you can have, have a chance to look at it eventually for, for that season. The Worship Sourcebook. This is something that has really become my friend recently. I actually use it, like, practically every week when I plan worship. It has so many readings. And it doesn't matter what, like, you know, style your church uses or, you know, it has so many different resources. And it's neat because the first half of the book is organized according to worship. So it'll start with like a call to worship, a call to confession, assurance of pardon. So it's kind of an order of worship. But then the second half of the book is organized around the church year. So like you have this whole section of readings and resources available for like just Lent. So there's a whole section on Lent and Easter. And so it's, it's been a very helpful resource in planning worship. The other thing, well, I was just going to, I brought Celebrating Grace in here because um, it, it, is, it has a whole section based on, um, organized around the church year, but it also, and a lot of other hymnals, well, some other hymnals I've seen this happen, especially in their, if you have the communion through the hymnal, but it has all these, you know, brief explanations of the Christian year. If you ever have a question about, you know, needing a resource, that's what you can check in. The other thing is this, this it's called Christian Worship, It's Theology and Practice. And it's a book, but 
it's actually a good resource. It's not a book that you have to read, you know, just front to back in order to get it. You can just look, like, there's a chapter on the Christian year, and there's a chapter on children in worship, and there's um, the use of symbols, planning your order, um, wedding policies. <laughs> like, it's just a good resource if you, um, you know, are a minister in your church, and you, um, it's all there, and you can just look it up. So um, I guess that's it. Thank you all for coming tonight. I hope something was helpful. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.